वेल हेलो गाइस वेलकम टू द ब्रेकिंग डाउन करंट अफेयर्स पॉडकास्ट विद आर्यन घोष दिस इज योर होस्ट आर्यन घोष स्पीकिंग एंड टुडे वी गॉट अ लॉट टू कवर एज वेल देयर बीन प्रीटी मच सम गुड डेवलपमेंट्स दैट हैवन इन द पास्ट पास यू आर्स वेल ऑब्वियसली यस्टरडे द यूएन ट्रीटी ऑन द प्रोहिबिशन ऑफ न्यूक्लियर वेपन्स वाज फाइनली रैटिफाइड बाय इट्स 50th मेंबर हॉन्ड्यूरस and therefore it will now come into force on 22nd january now um, there have been number of nuclear treaties in the un before i mean we have the nuclear non proliferation treaty we have the comprehensive test ban treaty but you know this entire this uh, when you read a text on the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons it clearly states that any kind of any kind of um, ratification would clearly mean a complete elimination of all nuclear weapons and you know when you speak about complete elimination of nuclear weapons immediately what comes into your mind is the nuclear armed states that is uh, be it uh, the us russia india uh, and many more and obviously now when you want to understand if these countries would want to you know eliminate nuclear weapons it would be possible for example say the us the us does the would not want to, uh, it has already the us has already stated that it would not enter this agreement and it is pretty obvious because the us and russia have not been able to simply agree on a denuclearization policy elimination of nuclear weapons is very far fetched because and even for that very reason russia also would not uh, enter this agreement at all even the people's republic of china it clearly would not enter such an agreement because china clearly holds this uh, holds its nuclear weapons as a means of uh, as a means of protecting itself against the west the same holds good for north korea which is clearly a nuclear armed state which has been suffering from un security council sanctions for such a very really long time uh, but one uh, one country which clearly would uh, would like uh, be a different case and most probably would be iran because iran had already through the iran nuclear deal it had stated that it would give up all of its uh, nuclear weapons simply you know develop nuclear energy for peaceful purposes but uh, obviously ever since the us you know um, imposed deimpose sanctions um, like obviously earlier as one of my guests stated iran is not that eager to enter the agreement again and therefore when the next administration comes into place for example let's take a biden administration which and you know one of the main provisions of the iran nuclear deal would then obviously be um, entering this treaty on prohibition of nuclear weapons because this clearly would you know mean that iran uh, on ratification treaty would obviously be formally stating its entire um, its uh, its uh role in prohibiting all nuclear weapons but then let's come to another nuclear state is india now india is also another nuclear state and it would not obviously give up its nuclear weapons at this point of time because we find the current tensions between india and china and therefore the nuclear weapons in india uh, and also the current uh, crisis between india and pakistan which has been there for quite some time even pakistan itself is a nuclear armed state and therefore the, the tensions are pretty high and therefore there is perhaps no way that india would perhaps enter this 
treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons same would hold good for israel because israel's nuclear weapon program it is not known nobody knows how many warheads israel has but there is there are reports which stated israel could potentially have a nuclear program um so therefore this entire treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons it's extremely ambitious but it would obviously not result in a total you know uh, prohibition of nuclear weapons around the world and therefore it would be important for a nuclear arms states to come at a consensus and perhaps not in prohibition of sort because nobody some of these nuclear arms states would aim towards you know uh, quote unquote prohibition but they would perhaps be looking forward to denuclearization which is another very important um, factor to be uh, taken into consideration here and and therefore the us and many other states should you know work together with countries like iran and north korea to reach a deal for complete denuclearization because this prohibition uh, would never actually come into effect because of the fact that such states like iran and north korea Uh, already are threatened by a quote unquote looming threat of the west and therefore they would not enter a deal which would demand complete prohibition of nuclear weapons so now coming to recent tensions between washington and beijing where there has been like obviously first there was a trade war with tariff with steel and aluminum tariffs and now we have this and then obviously we had the uh, we had the protests in hong kong which were again retaliated by the us through sanctions and then there has been um, tension in the south china sea which the us again um, looks at it at a very important point for its allies and um, now recently like a couple of days ago i guess the us authorized 1.5 million dollars in arms sales to taiwan and you know beijing has had a very very negative influence over taiwan as a whole and there has been an entire dispute between the beijing and the taipei on the very issue uh, on taiwan issue i want to call it now let me just brief this uh, brief the entire situation first it is um, basically what happened was in 1949 there was a civil war which broke out in china between the then leader um, Chiang Kai-shek and the communist army which is led by Mao Zedong and um, basically the basically then after this chinese civil war ended the communists basically won and uh, basically um, Chiang Kai-shek and the remnants of the of his government fled to a small island off the mainland of china and um, and this small island was called taiwan now this uh, and therefore for this way reason in, now when we go further in time in 2000 there was an election which was held in taiwan and um, the people were able to choose their own president um whereas things have been much different in china where there's an authoritarian government where there have been different constitutional rules which have been bended in order to extend terms for a president which is why xi jinping has been able to be president for a long time without an opposition and um, therefore you know as a result uh, china and taiwan relations as a whole they were they improved in the 1980s and then the this formula which the chinese basically brought forward was a so called one country two systems under which 
no taiwan becomes officially a part of china but there is a significant autonomy that is attributed to it now during the same time i mean in 1997 when great britain gave the people's republic of china hong kong then um, china basically brought this very system in and tried to make this one country two systems policy possible obviously this has all been changed with the current scenario in hong kong with this new national security law passed by the chinese government that you know um, then and any kind of opposition to the government like criticism would mean detain detain detaining by the by the government and the police and as a result of which there has been increased police brutality in hong kong there has been increased amount of violence has taken place um now coming back to where we were basically um in taiwan this very offer of a one country two systems policy was clearly reiterated at a time and you know um therefore in 2005 there was another president was elected and he basically uh, fought for for taiwan's uh, for, for taiwan's independence from china and so china passed this anti secession law in 2005 which stated that china had the right to use quote unquote non peaceful means against taiwan if it tried to quote unquote secede from china and um when in 2008 mai yingju was elected president he sought to improve relations between taiwan and china and this was usually done on economic basis through number of economic agreements and uh, when obviously the in and after later in january 2016 um sai ing wen defeated the uh, defeated the then kmt candidate eric chu and she led the democratic progressive party dpp which had leaned towards an official independence from china and um, obviously then uh, in 2020 after seeing the current situation in hong kong the current tensions in china and south china sea she was once again reelected and beijing obviously then understood that this was going to be a problem for them and they have ever since uh, increased the tensions between china and taiwan obviously the main dispute here is um china calls itself the people's republic of china which is now governed by the chinese communist party whereas taiwan calls itself the republic of china that is a democratic progressive party and the and they are pretty much different because whereas in china the, the primary difference between china and taiwan is basically this the people's republic of china clearly follows an authoritarian governmental system it does not have a democracy whereas in um in the republic of china taiwan there is a great amount of democracy and it's a very progressive nation as a whole and so uh, for this very reason now um, anybody who mentions taiwan instead of china it, beijing makes a whole big thing out of it and this happened with our indian state media our indian media as well who uh, basically had i, I remember watching an interview of uh, yon this wyon um, with taiwanese foreign minister joseph yu uh, and he and he was basically speaking to uh, to our journalists when china then wrote a five page letter of complaint 
regarding this very factor that you know you should follow this one china policy etc etc so coming back to where um, where we obviously um, were starting off so us basically has been bolstering its relations with taiwan although it follows a one china policy that is recognized the prc uh, as the um, chinese government um, the us has been in fact bolstering relations with taiwan because and taiwan has been boosting its military as a whole and this arms sales included a great amount of artillery weapons and uh, and so on and so forth and you know um, when this entire uh, deal uh, began today itself china retaliated by imposing sanctions on the firms which are basically conducting this deal with taiwan and you know this again has been another issue which has been roiling about with china making a big fuss about taiwan and the countries like the us and india just moving forward and the thing is this when um, you look at democratic country taiwan it is a country where people should understand that this has fundamental principle democracy and the west which speaks a lot about democracy should in fact um, you know move forward to to secure taiwan from any possible chinese invasion because even the china because pla the people's liberation army has been conducting military exercises their aircrafts go and intercept china the taiwanese uh, airspace and obviously taiwanese have been able to deflect them however there is still there is still a chance of a chinese invasion or if not an invasion just think of the way russia annexed crimea the same way even china could annex taiwan in exactly same way now a uh, provocation towards the us i clearly cannot mention because obviously the US, the us does not have a set policy it doesn't have a set policy that if you know taiwan what get attacked we go in and attack as well and attack uh, china and therefore it is important to understand for that very reason that uh, possibly the us would have to highlight its policy uh, especially considering the various tensions between the us and beijing but at the very same time it it um, could in fact be a provocative move towards china at the same time and therefore it's pretty complex which which is why as of now can very few countries other recognize taiwan as the true uh, republic of china now um, coming to our next um, affair it is basically down trump administration it has been highlighted by me it has been um, shown by the media by the scientific experts that president trump really did not have a proper covid-19 plan he was aware of the fact that you know things would get wrong at some point or the other and it was a very dangerous virus in fact back in february but uh, and even president obama he after obama had to deal with the ebola outbreak and uh, the h1n1 um, he had left them a pandemic um, quote unquote playbook which would tell them what exactly to do what steps were taken in order to prevent the virus from even entering the us but trump didn't pay any attention that obviously and you know this entire time trump has been holding rallies and massive rallies like where people are where one or two people are wearing masks rest all are just without masks they are clamped together in a in very 
compressed places and there is and even trump himself ridicules people who are wearing a mask he ridicules the media and ridicules uh, joe biden his opponent for not wearing a mask and i'm about wearing a mask i'm wearing a mask and and that in fact portrays it you know somewhat portrays the core of the trump presidency's failure um in handling the pandemic and um, like yeah to wherever was going to go to uh, vice president mike pence his many of his top officials as well as his chief of staff have been found to be covid positive but and yet he has been tested negative and he has been continuing his campaign um, even despite these um, warning signs and um, you know the Trump's chief of staff Meadows he basically clearly stated that the Trump administration would no longer you know um f- uh, control the pandemic now they would rather focus on pharmaceuticals and vaccine now this in fact clearly states that the administration is not well equipped to handle a pandemic because you obviously have found how Trump has been behaving towards uh, the uh, experts who been telling about this pandemic experts are still saying that you know it's not that late we can still you know try out some different way not to ensure that you know this entire thing gets handled but even now trump does not seem to be paying attention at all and that in fact again as i said it reflects the core of the failure of his presidency in that sense well so obviously we um, remember when last i had spoken about you know libya ceasefire in libya and um, now there have been there's been a new update that basically the un has now relaunched a new inclusive political forum called the libyan political dialogue forum and in order to uh, basically ensure a political process to the entire libyan civil war and you know this ceasefire has been extremely um like uh, it is full of hope because it's been permanent all the parties have so far agreed to it and it is extremely important to solve in the political crisis which is existing in libya between the gna that is un recognized government and the lna which is recognized by particular countries now obviously when you spoke about libyan civil war it's been entire grabbed situation and um, but still now the different countries have their own influence in the region because of the resources now what is important is that foreign intervention does not play a role in breaking down this ceasefire that this ceasefire is maintained and all the parties come to the table and in this political forum this political dialogue forum actually is a hope to ensuring that there can be you know a solution to the current crisis in libya and like speaking about foreign intervention and you know a, a permanent ceasefire because you know none of these these factors are playing a huge role in the current crisis in nagorno karabakh between armenia and azerbaijan obviously it was founded uh, the us had brokered a ceasefire agreement between both countries and yet just a few hours later armenia and azerbaijan again began accusing each other of violating the ceasefire and there has been open fighting once again now you know to this very point it's gotten really worse because you know that the problem is this both sides are continuously agreeing to ceasefire and just couple of hours later they are once again back to accusing each other is almost like seeing children play 
it is it is so difficult to see you know countries not even caring about the ravages of war be it even let's talk about even if you're not going to talk about the humanitarian crisis which could prevail let's speak about the economic crisis these uh, wars have number of economic implications they have number of political implications uh, but still both these countries have tried to bolster this and like for example in armenia it has bolstered an anti-azerbaijan stance azerbaijan people have been uh, bolstering an anti-armenian stance and this has been in fact increasing more and more the polarization has been increasing more and more and so therefore as i said earlier it is important that the un security council through its consultations finally look into the issue and you know begin imposing sanctions and embargoes against both countries because obviously you find turkish f-16 reaching azerbaijan and even armenia is worried and nato is involved because turkey is a nato nation f-16s are clearly american f-16s are being used and obviously the u.s not want its arms to be used in a conflict that clearly it's involved in and the one looming threat as usual is the very russia turkey uh, aggression that is as i said earlier it's present in libya it is present in syria and now in this region which is again of massive concern and therefore there has to be a way out of this mess because if you find countries like Armenia and Azerbaijan continuously violating ceasefire and accusing each other of it, no accountability of any sorts, there will never be a proper peace negotiation ever. So now speaking about negotiation, well, um, in, in the past few months, the Senate has, the US Senate has been, there have been a number of divisions between Democrats and Republicans about possible coronavirus relief bills and the democrats have been adding some um, more relief whereas republicans wish to limit it and there have been number of division on that very case and the senate was not able to pass any possible coronavirus relief bill so um, however there has been something else the senate has been doing rather that is uh, if you've been hearing the news trump has been trump had nominated his next supreme court judge um, that is amy Comey barrett as the new supreme court judge replacing rbg's seat a liberal progressive rbg seat and um, basically amy kumi barrett from what i have heard from what i've uh, from what her record shows she has been completely against the affordable care act as obamacare and the republicans as a whole have been completely against obamacare because they say that they have a quote-unquote healthcare plan but you know there is basically the republicans never laid out a healthcare plan one which failed obviously that went pretty bad for them earlier but after that did not represent a proper healthcare plan because obamacare was one which provided a number of americans proper private health insurance and that was a very important feature of obamacare there are there may or may not be number of flaws in that very act but you know it is important to assess each one of them and then amend it if it does not uh, does not remove the other uh, particular parts to which are extremely important and the for example the the clause about the pre-existing conditions which is another very important fight in the u.s now the republicans say they are going to uh, help uh, they're not going to provide insurance to people with pre-existing conditions 
but then again seeing how the gop has been in fact under trump it's very difficult to you know just keep um, you know keep believing such alternative facts and now the senate has been questioning amy comey barrett that very judge because she has a record of going against obamacare so therefore the and the trump presidency has been very much involved in ensuring that they take down and dismantle obamacare she is clearly being another political uh, pawn of trump in that sense because even i saw some of the very issues which are extremely important in the us see climate change see racism which is resulting in political in a vote suppression um so senator kamala harris she basically posed this question on climate change uh, whether it exists of even this um, vote suppression problem in the us and amy comey barrett has not provided you know particular rigid views on them she does not have particular rigid views that climate change is bad it should be it, there should be ways in order to combat it or whether voter suppression does exist and that institutions need to now work towards ensuring that suppression cannot exist in democracy but no there have been no such views by amicomi barrett and that's what increases the you know um the very doubt in one's mind because you obviously do not know what's gonna uh, what that uh, judge clearly has views upon a particular subject whether she's pro abortion etc etc and then it is extremely important to first understand what how supreme court judge thinks because uh, um, like the supreme the very supreme court the very word supreme says it's the greatest position and um, you know that's a lifetime job and we and the very historic judgments are passed by the supreme court even take ours for an example even the indian supreme court is a very great position and it has passed laws which have which have been revolutionary which have been amazing and um, therefore the this increases the amount of doubt however the gop has been um be, you know boosting this nomination the the clearly they want to vote and obviously i'm speaking on monday at night but the gop is meant to be holding a vote exactly on monday night in the us uh, for amy comey barrett it seems the gop has been pretty united under trump and the gop might just you know um, like get the votes they require to get the senate confirm her and no no this is pretty hypocritical to be honest pretty hypocritical like hypocrisy like unlimited because the republicans early when obama wanted to push another supreme court judge to fill this in the supreme court then senate majority leader mitch mcconnell who was a republican he opposed this and therefore they were able to block his nomination but that doesn't hold good in this case the democrats have congress but not the senate and therefore they cannot basically do anything in this regard except for simply you know throw words at the republicans and i mean number 1 it's hypocritical number 2 the senate clearly found the judges nomination to be more important than the coronavirus relief bill um like that is something which is even worse than imaginable now 
obviously i also in this podcast episode i spoke about um, the us taiwan relations the arms sales now um, clearly today the uh, there were 2 plus 2 talks between india and the us that is their defense minister and foreign ministers had spoken to one another and we have agreed on a number of military agreements between both countries economic agreements as well and they extremely important as now because the as i said earlier if you hear one of my podcasts i had spoken about the fact that the us if you need to adopt a proper efficient anti china policy they would have to speak to allies like india because india is a country which is the next adversary of china in the in the asian subcontinent and and so it is um, and so this very talks are extremely important at this very date and therefore the us and india now must work closer on cooperation in order to prevent beijing from you know um, beginning a completely different stance against both these countries and in order to ensure that they can grab uh, like grab beijing and prevent china's influence further like through the belt and road initiative um, they need to prevent this bri to continue further and mike pompeo the secretary of state is meant to go to different countries like indonesia sri lanka and it is important for him to make his case for example in indonesia the us would have to provide indonesia proper plan like the us would intervene in case of a chinese military aggression in the south china sea when it comes to countries like um, say sri lanka it is important that the us you know provides them different way different methods in which this uh, because what happened in sri lanka was this china built a port in sri lanka and what happened was sri lanka was in massive debt and so they couldn't pay china back so china had this policy of debt trap basically country like sri lanka fell into debt so china took that port and basically claimed it to be theirs for 99 years and now sri lanka can't do anything about it because they were the ones who signed the fault so and um, it obviously came to india for however india did not step up and therefore it is important for both the us and india to do strengthen their policy in dismantling the bri because it has taken countries like say iran pakistan and many other countries clearly closer to china and that cannot and and at this point of time with this rise in tensions it cannot be a means by which the us and india can carry out foreign policy therefore now speaking about certain um, like developments in chile basically now uh, there were number of protests which broke out in chile um, about you know wanting a new call for societal reform there were these protests for constitutional reform and a referendum was held on sunday where chileans they voted to rewrite the, the chile's constitution and hold a new constitutional convention now um, when you look at chile's constitution it is like um, i was looking at its analysis by the council of foreign relations and they stated that chile's constitution is quote unquote neo liberal in nature and it was basically its role was to you know guarantee conditions for a free market and um, you know provide even provisions for areas such as education health social security etc etc and it is like obviously the people should referendum mentally are looking forward to meaningful change and that is extremely important at this point now looking at chile where there is constitutional reform 
come to Thailand where there has been more and more protests against the king and the prime minister and um, now the parliament is holding an emergency session to discuss whether or not they are supposed to overthrow the government and this is clearly these protests have had significant effect and now it only waits to see if this governmental system collapses or if the governmental system is reformed and obviously it's important because the more you move towards authoritarianism, more towards autocracy, you find democracy slowly fading away and that's when the will of the people is curbed and that cannot happen. Therefore, it is, therefore these protests have clearly symbolized a um, united call for democracy in Thailand and Thailand and, and the parliament will have to decide accordingly whether or not this entire system has to be amended, whether reforms have to be built or it should collapse completely. And like just one last development which is something obviously seeing every single day CNN and many other media channels are being broadcasting this. Basically um, Trump has been following a few points under Biden in the polls and there is clear hope that Biden will win the election but let me just inform all people listening to this that you know the polls for anything they do not matter because um, you look at 2016 obviously that's the one perfect example where Hillary Clinton was meant to win the presidency but then in the end Trump just you know gave it like like literally destroyed the competition and went ahead with the electoral vote and won the presidency therefore it is important to understand these polls are not really accurate because consider for example um, two states like state A where people um, support say candidate B and state B where people support candidate A and now consider a middle ground between the state A and state B where the number of people mixed between both them and obviously you find that a poll would clearly not be able to target would have to target one particular set of people for example say if poll um, if the poll were to target people of say a major part of state a and a minor part of state b then it would clearly show the state a uh, like the candidate b is winning candidate a is losing and that it's a very simplified context it is much more uh, complex to speak about the entire state as a whole but then um, this is a true concept because you know there is no way a poll can predict how a person will react for example say um, like today do you think that this that i am speaking well well tomorrow and then you then you just a poll comes out today and you vote on that poll which and that poll clearly states that Aryan is speaking 80% people think Aryan is speaking well and tomorrow then you find that I make a blunder a gaffe and then you're like no this is not right and then when the when that true election is meant to be held and you know Aryan was meant to uh, win the best speaker award you go and vote that no he does not deserve it and then itself my I lose it I lose the award and that's how the polls really work because the polls cannot predict how a person reacts at the last moment there could be anything happening just um, after a particular day a person voted in the poll and that is one thing which is a problem everywhere and so um, therefore it is important don't trust the polls and we should obviously the polls are you know saying that you know there might be a win so let's just keep those polls in mind but there's no need to take them even further well 
that's all developments i have for today i'll be back later and um, thank you for listening to this podcast please share with your family and friends follow it and um, looking forward to getting later thanks bye